All right, let me go ahead and Miss Jeannie and your team, we're going to take our preschoolers out this way. I believe Miss Tammy and our uh, kindergarten, first and second grade are going to head this direction. Uh, and then uh, Cadence will be up here for our third, fourth, and fifth graders to grab their packets. So preschoolers are going to head that way with Miss Jeannie. Kindergarten, first and second graders are heading this way with Miss Tammy. Third, fourth, and fifth graders are walking this way to get their packets. Uh, the rest of us are finding Psalm chapter 16. Psalm chapter 16. So preschoolers, kindergarten, first and second, third, fourth, and fifth graders can come down here and grab their packets. And the rest of us are finding Psalm chapter 16. If you're using one of the Bibles and the chairs around you, you're looking for page uh, 478. Um, before we do that, just want to run through a couple of a uh, couple of announcements and maybe and, and even an inter introduction as well. Um, God continues to bring folks to our faith family, so I want to just quickly introduce Tom and Cindy Cloybar. Uh, they're right here. Wave so everybody can see. Welcome them to our faith family here at First Baptist in the Atlantic. Make sure that you greet them. Uh, they jumped right in. They were part of our, our VBS team. Um, so let me let me tell you a couple of things that I saw God do this week. Uh, let's get past the, the the overall. There were two hundred, an average of two hundred and twenty five kids here every day. Oftentimes, yeah, go ahead. You can applaud for that. Um, oftentimes, the number you start off strong on on Monday, and then the number kind of dwindles. Uh, we actually grew during the week. Um, it was it was very very exciting. There's something else I saw God do. Uh, you may have noticed this, um, especially I think I'm sure our, our recreation team did with Linda and uh, Katie and others uh, just killing it outside. Um, it rained every day last week after vacation Bible school. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. Um, we we um, we we had an incredible kitchen crew that was making snacks and preparing stuff all week long. Um, we didn't we we didn't we didn't run out of food. Uh, that doesn't mean that they didn't take multiple trips to the grocery store, um, but we did we we had we had enough. Uh, and then um, Thursday night we 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 did something different this year because we've noticed in years past that that the numbers on Friday don't just dwindle, but they just take they just fall off the cliff with people you know going into the weekend. So we we kind of we didn't cut it short. We just felt like we could jam pack it better. And then we had our family night on Thursday, and and I don't think Scott and I had this conversation earlier. I don't think I minister ministerially speaking. You know, sometimes we'll say, you know, as a minister, there were like 15,000 people here on Thursday night. But we had, uh, we've had probably around 400 folks here. When you count the student, the kids that were on the stage doing the singing, which by the way, Sarah, that was phenomenal. Uh, thank you so much. Um, uh, Sarah and her team did a great job all week long. Um, and then the parents in the pews. And you know, you have that. Um, I'm, I'm not saying anything we don't kind of know. You, you've got the guests from other churches that come. Uh, you've got folks that, you've got our own folks. And then you have, uh, you, you, do, you may not realize this or you may not at least want to say it out loud. You've got the people that do the VBS circuit. They're going to go to this VBS and that VBS because they're like, hey, child care. Um, and if I just called you out, I feel really bad about it. Um, and, and that's okay because they're getting Jesus. Um, uh, but we probably had about, um, we've probably got about 50 to 100 folks that we're going to be able to follow up with and talk about more about what God is doing here and what God is doing in our midst. And, and we've, got, we've got more connections 
to work with as we continue to impact our community. Um, that happens. We're able to do that. I don't know if y'all know this, but groceries cost. Yes. Uh, and if you're feeding boys or cadence, then you know that groceries can cost quite a bit. I'm just playing. There went my Father's Day gift. If you got me one. Okay, just making sure. Um, I'm playing. No, I, no. Um, every day to have the lights on, every day to, to run the air conditioning, um, that that cost. And I'm just going to be very honest with you. We 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 didn't just we didn't just use our 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 vacation Bible school budget. We 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 didn't even just kind of tiptoe past it. Um, when we hit that 200 mark, we we kind of. But we're okay because God has been faithful through your tithes and through your offerings to do what we need to do to accomplish the ministry that he's called us to. So as you continue, especially through the summer, as folks travel, as folks are, be, are gonna come in and out, I wanna encourage you to continue to be faithful to the giving of your tithes and offerings so that we understand ministry doesn't stop just because the summer got here. We've got plenty of things to follow up with. We've got families to continue to connect with. As a matter of fact, let me tell you the greatest thing that happened last week. I actually made a mistake the other day when I said, uh, the other night I told them 23 children began a relationship with Jesus Christ this past week. And I made it, and I, hold on, I didn't tell the truth. Because what happened, wow, that was well-timed. Because what happened after our family night was another young lady went home and she asked her parents to lead her to faith in Jesus Christ. So we had 24 kids begin a relationship. And I don't know what God's gonna do, but I know too many stories, too many testimonies of children who led their parents to faith in Christ. And so well, here's what happens, and this is where I need, and we need some help. Just because, you know, VBS is not the end. VBS is actually the beginning, especially for those 24. And I've already told Laura, she's got 24 phone calls to make. They need to hear her voice. But they also need other people following up with them. We've got to disciple those 24. And it doesn't just happen because we expect them to start coming now. It doesn't just happen because we, we, let, we make sure that they know we have Wednesday night activities. We need help following up. And we really need to do it in about a two-week, span of time. If you would be willing to help us make some of those phone calls, this is Karen, this is Angela. If you would see them, all I'm asking you to do is make a phone call. Just they'll, they'll guide you on what we're going to ask, how we're going to help. We want to see if they're ready for baptism. If they're not ready for baptism, we need to get them involved with this. We, we probably want to have a new, a new believers class, which I believe somebody has created recently, that we can invite them to and tell them, hey, here's the next steps once you've started this journey with Jesus Christ. But we cannot do that alone. We've got to have other folks that would not mind touching, uh, touching base with those kids and being a part. But 24 kids began their journey with Jesus this week. When we, when we knelt at this altar last week and we, got, we asked God to do something that only he could do, the truth is, as much as I love these kids, I, I, I didn't die on a cross for them. 
As much as Michaela Robinson loves these children, or at least some of them, maybe even most of them, possibly even all of them, she didn't die on a cross for them. The only person that could have saved these children and secured their eternities is Jesus Christ. And he showed up by the power of his Holy Spirit in an incredible way. And I said this Thursday night, I said, when you see the sheriff, when you see the Brevard County Sheriff's Officer playing tug of war with the kids and winning, you know you've had a movement of God all week long. I'm just saying, an incredible time. Thank you to everyone that served in some sort of capacity. Thank you for your faithfulness and your giving of your tithes and offerings. God using that to help weeks like this happen. A couple of things you're going to start seeing in your handout and you're going to start hearing us talk about the CARE Effect. Uh, the CARE Effect is, uh, we're going to introduce it in July, uh, on Wednesdays in the month of July. Our midweek time uh, normally is a time of dinner at 5.30 and then we have uh, activities for the kids, activities for our students, and then the adults come in here and we're doing a thing called Route 66 where we are walking through an overview of each book of the Bible. Bible. But during the month of July, we're going to do Wednesday evenings, we're going to do mission opportunities in our community. Davey, our pastoral ministry associate, has been working with some different opportunities in the, in the, in the area. And so we're going to show up on Wednesday nights, we're going to have a light snack supper, and then we're going to go out into our community while our kids are still here, safe and doing things on, uh, for, for them. Our students are going to participate with us a bit as we go into our community and do some mission projects that we're all capable of doing in our own community. So you're going to be hearing more about that, but that launches uh, that first Wednesday in July. And then last uh, but not least, we are having a special called uh, family meeting uh, this Wednesday night at the beginning of our midweek. It should last for about 10 minutes. If it lasts longer than that, it's Karen's fault. Um, and so we'll go... Uh, that is, we have uh, at least one of those a year, but we are realigning our budget year. And so we just need to affirm that uh, our budget year has been January to December, but we are moving that to July to June to uh, parallel along with our preschool budget year as well. And then there's a couple of other things that are happening that we want to make you aware of as a faith family. That's all the announcements I got. I want to ask you to write that number at the top of your notes. If you don't have a, a handout, you can grab one down here. You can grab one in the in the in the uh, lobby out there. I want you to write and circle the number twenty four at the top of your notes because I want you to have an opportunity. I want you I want you to remind yourself to pray for those twenty four. We don't know. We don't. We're not going to give you all their names. I can't give you the breakdown if they're all girls, if they're all boys, if they're twelve girls, twelve boys. I, I can't tell you what that is. But I can tell you that there are 24 young people who have just begun their journey with Jesus Christ, and like me, they don't have all the answers. Like you and me, they might have, this may be you, I know it's me, I often have more questions than I have answers. And I want to ask you to begin praying for those 24. You might wake up one morning and you're like, Lord, I just want to pray for number 17 this morning. You don't know who that is, but he does. You might want to lift up number 22 at some point this week. I just want to ask you to begin praying for those 24. So write the number 24 down, circle that as we begin. When we tell people about Jesus, <clears throat> we have certain things uh, that we need to talk about. Uh, we need to talk about sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
we live in a broken world. We, we are a broken people. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from a holy God. Uh, for our conversation about Jesus to go anywhere with people, people have to recognize their need for Jesus in the first place. We have to talk about sin. When we talk to people about a relationship with Jesus, we have to talk about death. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin, the price of sin, the cost of sin is death. Because there is sin, there is death. Because we sin, we die. When we talk to people about Jesus, we have to talk about sin. We have to talk about death. We have to talk about Christ's death. We have to talk about the cross. Romans 5, 8 tells us that while we were sin, while we were disobeying God, while we were living lives separated from God, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And there's a word that we often use when we talk about Christ, when we talk about the cross. The big word is propitiation. And it, it means an appeasement. It means an atonement. It means a satisfying. Christ's death on the cross and everything that was leading up to it, uh, the betrayal the arrests, the trials, the beatings, the mockings, the scorn, the nails in his wrists and feet, the crown of thorns on his head, all the suffering that Christ encountered, he did as the propitiation, as the atonement, as the appeasement, the satisfying. Jesus paid the price. Jesus satisfied the price because we couldn't and so that we wouldn't have to. And when we tell people about Jesus, even, even boys and girls like we did this week, we have to dive into these deep waters always in, in, a, in a manner that is appropriate to who you're speaking with. But even then, there are parts of the conversation that can be, it can be somewhat heavy. And the same is true as we're journeying through the Psalms. We, we talked uh, about last week, we talked about there being six to eight foundational emotions, fear, anger, sadness, surprise, joy, and love, and with some scholars even adding anticipation, disgust, and trust. And while they're all real, the reality is also that, that these emotions can sometimes be somewhat heavy. There is a great deal of depth to our emotions. And often our attention is, is drawn to or it's taken by the more, uh, for lack of a better word, the more negative ones. And, and while many of the Psalms do just that, the psalmist is, is navigating his anger. He's navigating his frustration. Uh, the psalmist is dealing with fear or uncertainty. The psalmist is, is crying out to God. He's, he's asking the Lord to do something about his life circumstances. While many of the Psalms give attention to these emotions, we also can can, can rest in the fact that there are a number of psalms that there are that help us navigate victory. And there are psalms that help us navigate celebration. There are psalms that help us navigate joy. Uh, and like the one we'll look at today, there are psalms that help us navigate confidence and certainty. Remember, there is a psalm for every sigh of the soul. Not just fear, not just anger, not just frustration, but joy. And victory and confidence and certainty. That said, if you are physically able, if you would stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word, and as we have been uh, through our summer in the Psalms, I would invite you to read out loud Psalm 16 with me. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, 
You are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. You are my rock. You are my redeemer. Father, may I decrease so that you might increase. And may we conclude our time today more like you than when we started because we have been in your presence. We have heard your voice and we have been changed by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We have obviously started the summer, but I, I, can, I can also tell you that um, I've had a wonderful, wonderful week, but I have been in bed by nine o'clock every night. <laughs> and I have slept very, very well. And then I wake up at my usual 3 a.m. time and, you know, there you go. But it's been a very unique week to, to study and serve. And, 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 and so I, I want to say thank you again especially to those of you who left VBS at noon and you went to your other job, who left VBS and you, you went back to, to this work or that work, or you took your kids home and you stayed mom or you stayed dad for the rest of the day. I want to thank you, especially for those who left here and you went to this place or that place and, and you, you worked your schedule around so that you could be with us. You, you normally work all during the day, but you traded shifts or, or maybe even you took off the week just to be with us in VBS. Many folks made sacrifices to be with us. So when you hear the number 24, I want you to hear what God honored. God honored your sacrifice. So as, we, as I walked through the week, it was, it was tough to find different points of time and study. I was really glad that it was months ago that God led us to where we were going to be. And I talk about that heaviness of each psalm, there being a psalm for fear, there being a psalm about David being angry, and then we come to a psalm like Psalm 16, and, and, and I just needed this one this week. I was like, God, oh, what if this, you know, what if I get forgotten? And I was like, what if we get there and it's going to be a psalm all about anger or a psalm all about frustration? Or, and then I'm like, oh, it's this one. Yes. As we're studying scripture together, especially during uh, seasons when we journey through the Old Testament like we are now through the Psalms, or on Wednesday nights when we're going through our Route 66 journey, uh, 
When we journey through the Old Testament, you'll often hear me offer, uh, you'll often hear me offer a particular word of encouragement and instruction. When we're studying the Old Testament, you'll often hear me offer a, a specific word of instruction. And more often than not, the immediate response to that particular word of instruction is people are a little taken aback. And, and, and pe- at first, people often struggle with what I've just told them. But hear me out: when we journey through the Old Testament. While we recognize that everything in Scripture is going to point us to Jesus, and that is why we have the Old Testament, we have the Old Testament to point us to Jesus. While we recognize that everything in Scripture is about Jesus, it's going to point us to Jesus. Especially when we read the Old Testament, we can't start from that place. We don't look at an Old Testament passage of Scripture and and immediately start reading Jesus into everything. It is eventually going to get us there, but we can't just jump in and read this passage of Scripture and immediately think Jesus, immediately think the cross, immediately think the resurrection. Because if we do that, then we rob ourselves of everything that God intended, everything that God intends, everything that God has for us from that passage and from that story. Let me give an example. If we read the story of David and Goliath, and if you're not familiar with the story of David and Goliath, 1 Samuel, it's an Old Testament story, um, and it's the story of David and his slingshot, David and Goliath, the nine-foot giant. If we read the story of David and Goliath, but we immediately I'm talking like immediately from the get-go, we see David as the Jesus figure and we see Goliath as everything we're trying to conquer in our lives or we see David as the Jesus figure as we see David only as the Jesus figure and then we see Goliath as the cross and Goliath is death and Goliath is hell. What happens is if that's all that we read in the David and Goliath story, then we have missed out on so much about the inclusion of that, that story in Scripture. We miss out on everything everything that God intends for us to learn about the relationship between God and the nation of Israel. We miss everything that we can learn about God's relationship with David. We learn, we miss everything about what was happening between the Philistines and the Israelites. We miss everything about the moment in time where David and Goliath were. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a fair parallel that you might get to of a Jesus comparison, but we don't need to start there. But sometimes, sometimes we can. With every story and every scripture, it's going to point us to Jesus. However, comma, we do get there a lot quicker than others sometimes. Verse 1, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. There is some thought that this psalm was written shortly after God made his covenant with David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He said in 2 Samuel chapter 7, the Lord himself will make a house for you. The Lord himself will make a lineage for you. Your house and your kingdom, again, this is the Lord speaking to David. Your house and your kingdom will endure before me forever, and your throne will be established forever. David isn't fearing for his life in the, in the passages of Psalm chapter 16. He is just simply stating facts that he is confident in. You protect me, Lord. I take refuge in you. You are my Lord. You are the good in my life. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, every good and perfect 
perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of life. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. You are the good in my life. David wrote, I have nothing good besides you. You protect me, Lord. I take refuge in you. You are my Lord. You are the good in my life. Keep reading. Verse 3. As for the holy people in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrows of those who take another God, small g, uh, the sorrows of those who take another God for themselves, those sorrows will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. We see it in other Psalms. We see it throughout Scripture. We see it in our world today. There are two types of people. There are those who follow God, and there are those who don't. And the psalmist, who most believe is David, with some influence from the Levitical priests, the psalmist is saying again, he is simply stating a fact. There are people all around me that are striving to live a holy life. There are people all around me who are striving to live a holy life just like you have commanded us to do in Leviticus chapter 19, Leviticus chapter 20, Leviticus chapter 21, and what you and I often quote in 1 Peter chapter 1 where God says to us, be holy because I am holy. Be set apart because that's what I am. I am set apart. We are to be different. We are not to look like the world around us. There's supposed to be something different about you, something different about me, something different about First Baptist in the Atlantic, something different about First Baptist Melbourne, something different about Church of Vieira, something different about Calvary Chapel. You name it, you fill in the blank. If there are Christ honor Bible-believing, evangelical church. There's supposed to be something different about them from the world that draws the world to them so that we can point people to Jesus. We shouldn't be looking the same. We shouldn't be sounding the same. We shouldn't be acting the same. We should look like Jesus. We should serve like Jesus. We should be like Jesus. We should talk like Jesus so that when they encounter us, they want more of Jesus. And so David is saying, there are those kind of people around me. And again, he's, he's, he's saying, I delight in them. I like them. I long to be with them. Theirs is the company that brings me joy. Theirs is the company that encourages me. They are the ones that I am I'm letting pour into me. They are the ones that I am allowing to influence me. They are the ones who are helping me become more like you. Is David saying that he doesn't hang out with people who don't love God? Is David saying that I just, I just do away with them? No, that's not what he's saying. We are to be in the world that's very very clear we are supposed to hang out we are supposed to befriend but do you let them influence you are you becoming more like them or are they becoming more like you I think we can safely say, I can safely say, and I don't, I don't celebrate this at all, but there are churches that are, that they are starting to look more you can walk in and you can walk out and you feel like you've been to the mall you can walk in and you can walk out and you feel like you've been to a self-help lecture. God forbid I ever do anything but put God's word in front of you. God forbid anything ever happen here that isn't by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Praise God that 24 children began a relationship with Jesus because only God could have done that. 
Praise God that it didn't rain while we were having VBS. Would we have had a plan if it did? I really hope so, but it didn't. Praise God that we can look back at this week and go, only God could have done that. May God continue to do those types of things so that we continue to point people back to him. And what David is saying is, I love these people that are around me, these holy people, these people that fear you, these people that are walking with you, because these are the folks that I'm letting pour into me. These are the folks that I'm letting influence me. These are the people that point me in your direction. These are the people that challenge me to be more like you. He's not eliminating the other relationships, but he is definitely prioritizing. But then it's because he says there are others too. They're not following you. I'm not more like you when I'm with them. I'm worried for them. Here's, here's the dynamic. I, I do still hang out with them. I do still love on them. I still have a relationship with them. But here's why. I'm worried about them. I'm uncomfortable with the choices that they're making. I am disturbed by what they value. I am stunned by their desires. I am offended by the way they treat you. Church family, it should break our hearts. It should make us uncomfortable what is happening in our world. Because what is happening in our world is happening to lives that we should care about. What is happening in our world is influencing and impacting lives that he died on a cross for. And they are going to spend an eternity separate from him, separated from him, without him, if we don't step in. But David's saying, these are not the people that influence me. These are not the people that breaks my heart. Warren Wearsby says it like this. He says, like David, we must not compromise with those who disobey the Lord and worship idols, but should seek to lead them to Jesus Christ, the source of all that is good and lasting. Like David, we must not compromise with those who disobey the Lord and worship idols, but we should seek to lead them to Jesus Christ, the source of all that is good and lasting. Those other gods, small g, the other gods, the other things we put into our lives to fill the relationship, all that they will lead us to is sorrow. Keep reading, verse five. Lord, you are my portion. Can I get a water? Um, Lord, you are my portion. You are my cup of blessing. You hold my future. Again, he is just stating facts. He is stating assurances. He is stating confidences. He is stating certainties. You are my portion. You are my blessing. You hold my future. Verse six, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. When Israel took the promised land, remember all the tribes, there were 12 tribes. When Israel took the promised land, all the tribes except for one received an assigned portion of the land. That, that that would be their inheritance. The tribe of Levi, however, the tribe of Levi did not get a portion of land. Thank you very much. The portion of Levi did not get a portion of land. They served in the sanctuary. They served in the temple. Their inheritance was the Lord himself. They, their lives were given in service to him. He was their portion. He was their blessing. And here, David is identifying with them. 
He's saying, he is my portion. He is my, he is, he is the provision in my life. He is my blessing. He is the abundance that I am experiencing. He holds my future. Verse seven, I will bless the Lord who counsels me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. Confidence in the Lord does not negate the fact that life will continue to happen. Confidence in the Lord will not negate the fact that life will continue to happen. We had a wonderful week. We had an incredible week, but there were still those in our faith family who were, who were grieving the loss of a loved one. We had a wonderful week where it didn't rain during the day, but we still had people who found out that they got cancer. We had an incredible week, but there were still families that were struggling with division in their ranks. There are still people struggling. Life still happens, and yet you can still be confident in the Lord. You can still be confident and certain and assured of God's presence in your life, of God's love for your life, but life is still going to happen. But David's confidence as our confidence can and should be, let him to bless the Lord. Verse eight, I will always let the Lord guide me. Now, when you read this, it's very easy to go, I will always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. Don't do that. There's a semicolon right there. You gotta stop your thoughts. I always let the Lord guide me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Turn just a couple of pages to the right to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, to kill me, when evildoers came against me, my foes and enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks against me, I am still confident. I am certain, I am confident, I am assured that I will see the Lord's goodness even in the midst of life happening all around me. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. I'm in verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. I read the first couple of verses and then I moved down to verse 13. So let me, I skipped on you. So let me reread verse 13. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness even in the midst of life happening all around me. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. David is saying with a confidence, with a certainty, with an assurance, an assurance that can only be obtained by the power of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. David is saying, you are my portion. You are my blessing. You are my provision. You are my inheritance. You counsel me. You guide me. You give me strength. You give me confidence. You give me assurance. Verse 9 of chapter 16. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being 
rejoices. My body also rests securely. Psalm 16, verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. And this is the moment where the psalmist turns to the future. And this is where this becomes a messianic psalm. That, that you, 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 can go, you, can, you can go right there. You don't have to wait. You can go right to the Jesus moment. Verse 10 of Psalm 16. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the paths of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Now, to be clear, David probably doesn't realize he's prophesying here. He might, but he probably doesn't. Hold your place in Psalm chapter 16 and turn with me to the New Testament book of Acts. The New Testament book of Acts. If you're using the, pew, the chair in the Bible, the pews. Like we haven't had pews in ages. We haven't had pews since I got here. Oh my gosh. Page 967. If you're new to Bible study, Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, starting with verse 22. Again, you're holding your place in 16 because we're going to come right back there. Starting with verse 22 of Acts chapter 2. This is good stuff coming. Get ready. Hold on to your hats. Nobody wore a hat, so never mind. Verse 22. Fellow Israelites, this is Peter speaking, the disciple. This is Peter preaching at Pentecost, which is the birth of the early church. Fellow Israelites... Listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him just as you yourself know. We talked about that at VVS this week. We talked about Jesus being the God-man. He was 100% God and he was 100% man. His 100% humanity had to do with his death. The 100% God was, 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 was with his deity, but we talked about him being 100% God, that he performed miracles. We specifically talked about the story where Jesus uh, encountered the blind man and he spit in the dirt. He made mud. He uh, put mud in the guy's face and all the kids went, Ugh. and then, then, we, then he washed the guy's face and he wiped the guy's and the guy could see. We talked about all the miracles that God did. Any miracles that Jesus did was so that he could prove that he was God and point people to the Father. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan, God's determined plan, the betrayal, the arrest, the trials, the beatings, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. Verse 24, God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Come on now. God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Wow. And here it is. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope. 
because you will not abandon me in Hades, Sheol, hell. You will not abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to deceive, decay. You have revealed the paths of life to me. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You have revealed the path of life to me. You fill me with gladness in your presence. Keep reading, it only gets better. Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on the throne. It's the covenant we talked about earlier being the basis for Psalm 16. Seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah, that the Messiah was not abandoned in Hades. His flesh did not experience decay. And then look at verse 32. God has raised this Jesus. Does David fully know that he is speaking of Jesus? Does David fully understand that he is prophesying of the Messiah? Not necessarily, but what David does understand, what David does have is a certainty, a confidence, and a hope. And it is a hope that comes to fruition in the person and in the resurrection of Jesus. And that is a resurrection that we, as followers of Jesus, as believers in Jesus, that is a resurrection that we can also know and experience. Philippians chapter 3. It's a resurrection that gives us certainty. It's a resurrection that gives us confidence. It's a resurrection that gives us hope. It's why we make such a big deal about Easter. Why we, rec- why we make such a big deal about Resurrection Sunday. Because his, his death on the cross was meaningful and it had incredible purpose. His going into the tomb, his descending it was incredibly meaningful and incredibly purposeful. But without the resurrection, we have nothing. But the truth is, he is resurrected. He is alive. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father and He did it for us. And we have hope because of that. So that we can say, just like David, you are my portion. You are my blessing. You hold my future. You guide me. You are at my right hand and I will not be shaken no matter what life throws at me. You are my portion. You are my blessing. You hold my future. You counsel me. You guide me. You are my certainty. You are my confidence. You are my hope. You are my right hand. And no matter what life throws at me, I will not be shaken. You may have heard the story before. There was a gentleman named Horatio Spafford. He was a lawyer, a lawyer, a banker. And it all happened around the time of the great Chicago fire. And he sent his family, his wife and his four daughters, I believe, put them on a boat and sent them over. They were going to do a European getaway, just get away. And he received a message that his wife's ship had been hit by another ship. And they lost all four daughters. 
And so to join his wife, Horatio Spafford got on another boat. And he asked the captain to tell him when they passed the spot where the other boat went down. And at that spot, Horatio Spafford penned these very familiar words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole. My sin is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. That's confidence. That is certainty. And that is assurance, not in oneself but in the God who created you, the Christ who died for you, and this Holy Spirit who walks the side of life with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the certainty, the confidence, and the assurance that we can have in you. That when life's circumstances come at us, we can say, we can sing, we can cry it from the rooftops, it is well with our soul. You are our portion. You are our blessing. You are our counsel. You are our guide. You hold our future. You are at our right hand. And life does not have to shake us. Because we have confidence. We have certainty. We have an assurance. We have hope in you. Father, if there is someone here today that has not begun a relationship with you, they do not have that certainty. They do not have that confidence. They do not have that hope. I pray that today you would give them the courage. You would give them the boldness to come to somebody, to talk to somebody, to begin that conversation about what it means for you to be the Savior and the Lord of their life. I pray that you would give them the boldness to begin that today. For those of us who are, Father... Open our eyes, open our hearts to the opportunities you have around us because we are surrounded by people who do not have hope. And may we be your messengers. May we be your ambassadors. May we be your spokespeople. May we be your testimonies.
of the hope that we can have in Jesus Christ. Because we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night or we'll see you next Sunday.